0: Greetings, fellow traveler on this rock tumbling through space. I'm Fred. This is my front porch. Come on up, have a seat, and let's talk a while. There are ideas to be discussed on this old set of nicely nailed together boards. can't breathe murder by suffocation it's my face man I didn't do nothing serious man please 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 I can't breathe please man please somebody please man I can't breathe I can't breathe, please. Man can't breathe, my face. Just get up. I can't breathe, please. I can't breathe shit, I will. I can't move, mama, mama. I can't, my knee. My nuts. I'm through. I'm through. I'm claustrophobic. My stomach hurts. My neck hurts. Everything hurts. Some water or something. Please. Please. I can't breathe, officer. Don't kill me. They gon' kill me, man. Come on, man. I cannot breathe. I cannot breathe. They gon' kill me. They gon' kill me. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Please, sir. Please. 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 Please, I can't breathe. those were the last words of George Floyd some of them were the same as the last words of Elijah McClain i can't breathe i have my id right here my name is elijah mcclain That's my house. I was just going home. I'm an introvert. I'm just different. That's all. I'm so sorry. I have no gun. I don't do that stuff. I don't do any fighting. Why are you attacking me? I don't even kill flies. I don't eat meat. But I don't judge people. I I don't judge people who do eat meat. Forgive me. All I was trying to do was become better. I will do it. I will do anything. Sacrifice my identity. I'll do it. You all are phenomenal. You are beautiful and I love you. Try to forgive me. I'm a mood Gemini. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Ow, that really hurt. You are all very strong. Teamwork makes the dream work. Oh, I'm sorry I wasn't trying to do that. I just can't breathe correctly. These two men were by no means alone in telling officers they couldn't breathe. The list is longer than I can count. And, even if I named everyone I can find who has said these words, there are certainly thousands of others. They gasped for air, trying desperately to hold on, just a minute longer, to life. The air was denied them. They never got to hug their mothers again. They couldn't say goodbye to their loved ones, They never got to have another pastrami sandwich. They died on some road somewhere in America. They died in the company of people who didn't care. They died essentially alone. By themselves, these tragedies of suffocation are enough to enrage anyone. They are more than enough to cause anyone with an atom of empathy to cry. They are the cause of the protests that are one more effort to reform an obviously unjust, unreasonable and indefensible world. We are all a part of the world that created these conditions we weep for the victims and we have to shoulder our portion of the blame for it the weight is all but crushing some of us attempt to throw it off completely if they didn't break the law they wouldn't have nothing to worry about or black on black crime statistics tell us or I didn't do it, it ain't got nothing to do with me. I got a black friend and everything. Our president has called Black Lives Matter a symbol of hate. I believe these people are unwilling to recognize the problem because it makes them uncomfortable. I honestly have little patience for that point of view. These people are a part of us that we need to try to change. They are, biologically at least, precisely as human as you and I. They are us. We need to reach them. We need to help them find their empathy. We need to ask them to feel for others different from them. And then, to decide these atrocities need to cease. Rutger Bregman, author of Humankind, tells me empathy actually works against us. Why? Because it enables us to hate others. I feel for my group, my tribe. Those who are different don't count. It seems, he tells us on page 214, We're born with a button for tribalism in our brains. All that's needed is for something to switch it on. While we are busy caring about our tribe, the rest of the world fades away. This is the reason I have said, and will continue to say, there is no them. We are all us. I need everyone to be a part of our tribe. I need to feel for a mother in a tiny tribe in another country as much as for the socialite and the ladies who lunch. I need to feel for the old man in a ditch as much as the newborn infant in the hospital. Now, that would finally be overwhelming, wouldn't it? Keep that in mind. We'll be coming back to it. Too much empathy is finally debilitating. These are not the only people who are gasping I can't breathe. The suffocation of coronavirus. As of today July 7th, 2020. More than half a million people have died of COVID-19. I have done my best to understand how this works. I am not a doctor. I have zero medical training. I have had to ask medical friends of mine. The information I'm going to give you is based on what I have learned. I may be wrong. The virus attacks the lungs first, filling them with fluid. It begins as a shortness of breath. It moves to the point that, finally, the victim can no longer breathe. They smother slowly, while other symptoms begin to emerge. A site called healthing.ca tells me the following and the site will be in the show notes. Most severe. These are patients who have pneumonia and develop shortness of breath, respiratory failure, and acute respiratory distress syndrome, ARDS. Patients are unable to breathe because there is inflammation and fluid filling up the air sacs in their lungs. The fluid and inflammation is caused by lymphocytes, the main immune cell against viruses, mobilizing into the lower part of the lung as a, quote, very exuberant immune response to the virus. Once ARDS develops, the mortality rate goes up significantly, and the need for critical care and life support is increased. Even with life support, there is a subset of people on a ventilator who will continue to fail and die of their illness. Inflammation of the lungs can start to spread and affect other vital organs like the kidney and liver. There are cases in the literature of multi-organ failure. At that point, the mortality rate is extremely high. And this is from Dr. Rick Loftus. It's been all over Facebook in what I believe is called a viral post, which has in common with a virus that it spread easily. I've talked to two previously healthy patients, ages 32 and 44, who are three and four months, respectively, post their acute COVID they continue to have cough, night sweats, fever, fatigue. How many survivors have post-COVID syndrome? We don't know. Less than 20%, but we're not sure. I've asked my hospital to allow me to establish a post-COVID clinic to care for and study survivors. Both NIH and UW are planning similar efforts based on my dialogues with them. Autopsies show anoxic brain injury in many patients who died of COVID, not to mention microthrombi throughout the lungs and megakaryocytes in massive infiltrations in their hearts and other organs. People get heart failure, lung fibrosis, and permanent kidney injury from COVID-19. This is a disease of the vascular systems And it can affect any organ, with lungs and kidneys being especially at risk. When we feel for all these people, young and old, black and white, gay and straight, and all the people in between, people of all races, backgrounds, and ideologies, people of all religions, and people from every part of the world, we can imagine not being able to get a breath. We can imagine the feeling of our organs shutting down one by one, and sometimes in sets, as our bodies weaken, our consciousness fades in and out, and finally, isolated from all those we love and all those who love us We succumb to a horrible death. The best we can hope is we will be able to make one last phone call from the hospital. And then, there is nothing. We are no more. I know that death is an inevitable part of life. We can't actually avoid it forever. It's coming for all of us. So what's the big deal about people dying from COVID? They die from cancer, car crashes, and candy. People simply die. Get over it. For me, the big deal is that just as George Floyd shouldn't have died, just as Elijah McClain shouldn't have died, neither should those who died of COVID. This was preventable. How do I know? Most of the rest of the world has slowed the spread. America continues it by making a political issue out of a public health crisis. Mask wearers are often referred to as sheep, and someone created a cartoon of mask wearers getting on the train to Auschwitz. This is absurd. The suffocation of depression. Nearly everyone I know is being torn apart to a lesser or greater degree by what we see happening in the world now. Those of us who suffer from depression, and there are many more of us than I had ever suspected, are experiencing feelings of suffocating. I thought at first that I was alone in this. I believed I was the only one who found it hard to breathe when I'm upset. It turns out I'm not. Will Wheaton, who played Wesley Crusher on Star Trek The Next Generation, told us, My panic attacks happened daily, and not just when I was asleep. When I tried to reach out to the adults in my life for help, they didn't take me seriously. When I was on the set of a TV show or a commercial, and I was having a hard time breathing because I was so anxious about making a mistake and getting fired, yeah, the directors and producers complained to my parents that I was being difficult to work with. When I was so uncomfortable with my haircut or my crooked teeth, and I didn't want to pose for teen magazine photos, the publicists told me that I was being ungrateful and trying to sabotage my success. When I couldn't remember lines because I was so anxious about things I can't even remember now, directors would accuse me of being unprofessional and unprepared. And that's when anxiety turned into depression. The link to his article is in the show notes. Anxiety and depression seem to go hand in hand, at least in my experience. Depression removes my desire to function. Anxiety increases my dread of failing to function. Depression tells me I'm worthless. Anxiety keeps me away from human beings as much as possible. I don't belong with those other people. They're better than I am. If you see nothing else in the Horace stories, that theme seems to recur more often than any other. Depression isn't simply feeling sorry for yourself. It's not something one can get over. It's a neurological problem for which there are some drugs that work for some people sometimes. There is, to my knowledge, no cure for it. It can, again, in my experience, be heightened by some events and pushed away by others. But in both cases, it is temporary. So far, even my deepest depressions have not been sufficient to kill me. That doesn't mean the next one won't. My greatest joys have not been sufficient to cure me. That doesn't mean the next one won't. In both cases, I keep hoping for the eventual outcome. The physical effects of depression, for me, Include the feeling that I am covered by a blanket that blinds me to the good things in the universe And I remind myself that stars shine most brightly in the darkest skies And I wait to see that beam of light When depression heightens It's as though the blanket is pulled down tighter And it is now tied like a noose around my neck and I feel like I can't breathe. I've kept those facts mostly to myself for a long time. It sounds like I'm being melodramatic. I was accused of that constantly through high school, but I really think I was pretty melodramatic in high school. I officially deny everything I did from the ages of 16 to 25. I was something of an asshole. But I also think I was trying to figure out how to cope with depression. It was new and it felt much more life or death. Everything was bigger in those days. Now I recognize the feeling and it turns out that the feeling of suffocating is a common symptom of depression. I'm not unique in that way. The Independent from the UK tells us A suffocating feeling of dread. It's a suffocating feeling of dread and foreboding that affects you physically as well as mentally, said 30-year-old Londoner Chloe Brotheridge, who suffered with anxiety and panic attacks from the ages of 15 to 24 and has now written a book, The Anxiety Solution, A Quieter Mind to Calmer You. It can feel like it's hard to breathe and your heart might be racing even though you're just sitting at your desk. It can be very isolating when loved ones don't understand or tell you to snap out of it or pull yourself together. The link is in the show notes. I believe all of us are having trouble breathing in one way or another Now, we can't witness the horrors around us without being moved. But, what if this is how it finally changes? What if we hit some number, horrible as that number of deaths, degrees of suffering, and countless infections will be, that makes everyone drop? the political battles and work together to get to the other side of the pandemic? What if we learn the value of working together, and through that we begin to recognize, accidentally perhaps, that we are more alike than we are different? We see that we are all the same species, living at the same moment in time, and our labels slide away like stars off the sneetches' bellies. Read some Dr. Seuss. What if we start showing kindness to one another? We decide to work together to end homelessness because horrible as it is, it's not just a few people living in poverty who probably deserve it for some reason we invent to placate ourselves into accepting the suffering of other human beings. It's happening to people who have never experienced poverty before. They could always earn enough money to thrive. And as the economy collapses, we decide we're going to end this homelessness nonsense altogether. People unaccustomed to suffering poverty are beginning to experience it. And now, we have both the power and the will to stop it. What if we see that brutality to any group, to any person, is brutality to all? human beings. Perhaps we'll find that we don't solve problems with badges and guns and violence, but we solve them by being good neighbors, by caring about the people who need our help. Perhaps the horror that is 2020 is the climax to the story that finally gets us to the other side. Let's hold on to each other. Let's come out of this together. It's the only way. And then, we can all breathe again. Even if it's only a sigh of relief. And now, let me tell you about something that happened. This podcast for breaking news. Fred's Front Porch podcast can be heard commercial free exclusively on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. Run over, sign up for $10 a month or more, and you can skip these ads. More importantly, you can keep me alive another week to do another episode. This show is my sole source of income during the pandemic unless Arizona changes their mind and grants me at least a little unemployment money. Not only do you get commercial-free episodes, but you can get episode CDs, the first five-eighths of my novel, early access to episodes, coffee mugs, and t-shirts. You also get to hear me thank you at the end of each episode. If you become a patron saint, I'll even make you your own video. Head over to Patreon and consider helping me out. Now we return you to our regularly scheduled podcast. Something just happened. Normally I write these podcasts. I'm not right now. I am simply capturing a moment. And this is the moment that I need to capture. So I'm sitting in the backyard uh, exchanging Facebook messages with my friend and mentor, Jenner Zeno, Uh, Mindwave podcast You've almost certainly heard him by now Um, And I hear A young woman A girl, I suppose Crying hysterically She's about two doors down Um, There is no She is evidently on the phone Begging someone to come and get her Um, This is undoubtedly A human being in distress now you don't know me so i need to describe myself a little bit i am six foot three and i weigh about 170 maybe 175 pounds which i suppose sounds big i'm not i'm tall i am not i'm thin okay (laughs) Um, I lost like 85 90 pounds several years ago I have never gotten it back no matter what I do I've been to the hospital anyway I'm not a big bad dude Um, I also have absolutely no strength So I wasn't in a position to go you know Be John Wayne or Clint Eastwood or something like that Um, I have a roommate Rebecca and she was home. And when I heard it, my, you know, was done with Jenner for the time being. Went inside as quickly as I could. And I said to Rebecca, I need you to come outside right now. And she did. And immediately she heard the woman in distress, told me to go get her glasses. I did. Um, and she walked down a couple of doors to where 23-year-old girl, woman, is sitting Um, She has with her her dog whose name I have learned uh, is Hazel and personal side note reminded me a lot of my dog Melanie uh, who I lost a little over a year ago Um, sweet sweet dog Um, and she had a little boy I heard her refer to him as Bubba I don't know if that's actually his name or a nickname um, she was out there with her son and her dog, and there was a male who did not look particularly large to me. Um, he was probably 21, 22. I don't know. I never really saw him all that clearly. It was dark. It was, you know, like 10 o'clock at night. Um, Rebecca went to check on the girl, and she asked the male to come stand over by me. Um, I stayed about ten steps back. I do not wish to represent a threat to anyone. Um, I don't want to intimidate anyone. I don't want to confront anyone. I don't want to ca. I don't want to escalate a problem. I want to be there in the event that I am needed. Um, but Rebecca was the one who could actually calm the problem. And that was what I needed her to do, and it is exactly what she did. Um, she went to the girl, she sent the guy to stand over by me. Um, after some time, uh, Rebecca asked the guy to go in to their house. Um, the kid wanted to go with him, and that was a problem. Um, the mom wanted the, the baby with her, It's like 17 months. Uh, the mom wanted the baby with her. And so in he went. And he was there for a while. Now, at this point, the girl is on the phone. <coughs> sorry, she's on the phone, and she's calling people. Um, you Can you come and get me? And I guess that's what she had been doing in the first place. And, sorry, my throat goes. Um, and... She finally got someone who was coming to pick her up. Um, she assured Rebecca, because I did not go and talk to the girl. I just stood back like my 10 steps. Um, but she assured Rebecca that she was not in any danger um, and that she and the boyfriend had had a nasty fight and that she was more than anything else heartbroken, but that she was not in physical danger, um, which was great. Um, we sat there. We're not going anywhere until someone comes to pick her up. And eight, ten minutes later, the young man comes out of the house uh, with keys to the very nice pickup that was sitting in their parking spot and gets in. And the girl goes to the door and says, you can't go anywhere. You're drunk. Um, evidently tequila had been the cause of this argument from what I could gather from my distant vantage point. And I don't hear that well anymore. Sorry. I can't give you word for word anything. I'm 10 steps away and my hearing sucks. But, um, there was tequila involved. He got drunk. He said terrible things, I guess, to her. She is all heartbroken. She wants to leave. And now he's going to get in the truck and drive away. Rebecca has her phone and lets him know that if he pulls out, then we have to call 911. Um, one of our objectives right off the top, and Rebecca was ready to call 911 when we got there. But really, look, police show up with this, and now there are guns involved. And now there is a significantly increased chance for violence. And we didn't want that. And so, nope, nobody calls 911. He finally gets out of the car. I mean, we would have had to. Because at that point, he represented a threat to himself or to someone else. Uh, you, When you're drunk and you drive, someone is very likely to get hurt. Um, and... The move would have been, no, I'm, we're not going to have any physical confrontation with this guy, but we will give his license plate to the police and they will find him. And the hope is that they would do so before, uh, he hurts anyone, you know, um, I like to, it didn't matter. He got out of the car. He went in, um, we sat there a few more minutes. The, the dog Hazel came 10 steps over to come and see me. Um, and Hazel and I became very good friends And I talked very sweetly And very oh, What a good girl Hazel night nice girl That kind of thing uh, For some time um, Finally Her ride showed up And she You know Rebecca had her Friend go in with her to get things Nobody's you know We don't want her going in that house Uh, with him there by herself Uh, that that won't do. So the friend goes in, um, they take the dog in um, and then she comes back out and says, "Okay, he's gone. Evidently what he had done, we're sitting in the back uh, where, you know, the parking lot is out front. There is the front door and evidently he had left. I don't know where he went, but he wasn't driving or at least if he was, we weren't aware of it. Um, she was all right. We came back. Um, that's what happened tonight. But I want to go a little farther. Um, I talked to Jenner about it afterward. We traded Facebook messages and, you know, he thinks there's something heroic in that. And this isn't the stuff of Clint Eastwood. Uh, this is being a human being. When you hear someone in distress, you can't ignore it. And, you know, I'm in the middle of a of writing my next episode, which is called I Can't Breathe, and there's a section in there about empathy. And I've been reading Rutger Bregman, who tells me about the dangers of empathy, uh, because you know what empathy shines a spotlight and these are, when I feel empathy for you, you're one of my people now, but for as bright as you are, um, others fade. And so we care less about others. We care, we care less about some people because we care more about others. Um, and excellent point. And I understand that. There is a danger of too much empathy. Um, and I'm writing about that right now, too. There is no way that you can watch the world coming apart at the seams. Watch people being murdered on camera. Hear about the half million people that are dying a really ugly death from COVID and watching it spread and watching uh, people hate each other everywhere. If you have too much empathy for that, you're going to end up in a fetal position. You have to be able to tell yourself, no, look, I, I, I have to stop. At some point and Bregman makes the point, you know, you can't, you can feel, you can feel empathy for one person. Try a hundred. Okay. Can you do a million? Great. Now how about 7 billion? No, you can't. He's right. And I still believe in empathy. Um, I believe that I need to care about my neighbor. I believe that's part of what it means to be a neighbor is to care about each other. Um, I cared about the dog when I didn't know uh, if who the dog was. It's dark, and I'm not that smart. I didn't know if the dog was male or female, so I just referred to him as a good mammal and you know, gave him loves and pets. Look, he's, he's life. He's sharing this planet with me. That baby is sharing this planet with me. The, the girl in trouble is sharing this planet with me and the guy who maybe or maybe not was a threat to her is sharing this planet with me. And I don't want anybody to be hurt and I don't want anyone to suffer. I think that's a key to being human. And maybe I, I am wrong to feel that much empathy, but I don't feel like I am. I feel like it's the right thing to do. Um, it's what I would want someone to have done for me. And so that's what happened tonight. Um, I've captured a moment, and I don't know what to tell you exactly to learn from it, except care about each other. Let's use, let's lead with love and compassion And let's take care of each other Lester Holt, but when he ends NBC News every night You know, Walter Cronkite had and That's the way it is Lester Holt has a thing that I like Take care of yourself and each other And I, you know, just a few words But I think that nails it I don't think, you know, uh, Lester Howard is the greatest newsman or the greatest writer that ever lived, but my God, those words are spot on. And those are the words in which I believe. I think things would have been much worse if we tried to escalate it and that things were much better because Rebecca had the courage to be calm when we got back home. She was exhausted. Her adrenaline was pumping like crazy. She understood what could have happened. And she wasn't going to allow it either. It isn't just me. It's mostly her. I stayed 10 steps back. And it matters. I believe in trying to make a difference. And Rebecca did tonight. I, I did to a lesser extent. And I think I believe, I don't believe there's anyone listening right now who would not have done what we did and run into a burning building. We, we made sure somebody was okay. We cared about somebody. Isn't that the right thing to do? You have forced me once again to write a new set of gratitudes. Thank you for doing that. I was getting tired of the old one. I have one new person to thank this week, and I have my second unofficial patron saint. She gets to go first because, once again, I'm blown away. Dr. Christine Chapel donated $100 to the show this week. The difference this makes is nearly incalculable. It kept my electricity on for another month. It would be difficult to do the show without power. I can't express my gratitude enough, but I am humbled by the difference you made in my life. Thank you, Dr. Chapel. I now have so many people to thank that it's going to take a little while, but it's time I'm ecstatic to spend. Let's start on Patreon. I still don't have an official patron saint yet, and that's not surprising when so many of us are broke. If I ever have one, you'll be the first to know. My producers are Coralie Day, whose name I have been mispronouncing forever, with Scott Knight, and Edith Keeler. Thanks, folks. You're going way above and beyond, and I want you to know how glad I am you can help the show this much. Thank you. My patrons are Joe March, Kevin Boyce, Sherlock, the mystery patron, Zaref, whose name I am now pronouncing correctly, and the latest addition is Scott Shelby. I don't know who you are, Scott, but I'm glad to have you aboard. Thank you very much, patrons, you're awesome. My sponsors are Laura Engram, Linda M. Crotta, Elizabeth Bennett, and Michelle Freeman. My newest supporters are Chuck Curry, an exceptional musician, and Mark Rosema, an extraordinary writer. Thank you, sponsors. You rock. My supporters are Corey, Christopher Hitchens' friend, and Natalie Fredrickson. Thank you for your support. You help more than you think. My tearless friend is Jereen Elkins. Thank you, Jereen, so very much for being my first contributor. It's important to remember the Anchor supporters, too. They're vital to making this show function. Thank you to Lori Shea, Cindy Mandel, Corey, again, Zara, Michael J. Clark, and Stacy Hyde. I'm so happy to have your help. I consider all of us a little community, a part of a growing neighborhood. At first, it was just the Radley porch down the way, but... Our neighborhood is growing. We're now a part of the Mindwave neighborhood, and I'm meeting more and more neighbors here. I hope you'll go and borrow a cup of sugar when you need one from some of our neighbors. I recommend the Mindwave podcast, hosted by Jenner Zeno, as well as Far Out Wisdom by the extraordinarily outspoken Boone Hem, the Moving Forward podcast, which spawned this show and is hosted by one of its supporters, And that other Laura Engram, hosted, shockingly enough, by someone quite different from the one on Fox, and also a supporter of this show. Their ideas are similar to mine, but their presentation styles are all different. You try saying presentation styles three times fast. For now, here on the front porch, we'll go on as a hopeful community, changing one idea in one mind at a time. I love you folks. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll come visit the porch again soon. Until then, look for all the episodes on your favorite podcast app. We're on just about all of them now. Take care of yourself and each other.